Every October, hundreds of people descend on downtown Seattle for an event called Geek Girl Con, a festival that aims to celebrate and honor the legacy of women contributing to science and technology, and to celebrate a bunch of other nerdy stuff and just hang out and have a good time too. I was at Geek Girl Con last year, and amid the chaos of the crowd and the talks and the cosplayers, I found this little haven, a series of tables set up with science experiments where actual scientists would walk you through how to do cool things with physics and chemistry. I, along with many children, made invisible ink. It was awesome. That DIY science zone was run by Rachel Burks, who was a chemist. In addition to volunteering for Geek Girl Con, she's a postdoctoral researcher at Doan College. I called up Rachel for this show to ask her, as a scientist, what she thinks about portrayals of female scientists in pop culture. So tell me about your work as a chemist. Just, just super briefly, what do you focus on? Well, I am an analytical chemist, so instead of making chemicals, I find chemicals. And I'm also a forensic scientist, so the chemicals I'm interested in are usually you know, nefarious in nature. So drugs, explosives... Uh, various types of bodily fluids. Uh, so I design uh, systems to detect chemicals in, in various ways and, and different kind of applications. We're designing a phone app right now to work in our research. And so I get to do a lot of kind of cool stuff. I like to pretend that I'm, you know, kind of a, a chemistry detective. Where do you look for these chemicals? So, you know, we can do passive monitoring. So if we just say, for instance, you wanted to, you know, be able to monitor exposure of, you know, a certain workplace or at a train station, you'd want to have something that, you know, would just be monitoring things in the background, say sampling the air, right? So those are systems that I work on, or maybe you want to specifically test some unknown mysterious white sample. Um, so it might be a solid, it could be a liquid, it could be a gas. So we design different systems to look for chemicals in different areas. So you have to use a different tool uh, depending on the chemicals that you're interested in and what you think you might find them in. So it can be a little bit of engineering too. That sounds really interesting. So on today's show, I wanted to talk to you because you're both a scientist and a critical pop culture consumer about representations of scientists in popular media and books and movies and TV. So just starting out, do you remember um, scientists you saw on TV growing up? Specifically, did you have any female scientists that you saw in pop culture that you said, yes, I want to do that? See, that was the problem when I was growing up. So I just turned 40, so I'm old. Um, but when I was growing up, there wasn't a whole lot on TV as far as female scientists. But I distinctly remember Okura from Star Trek um, because she was definitely in a tech role. Um, and she was the one person that looked like me, not only as a woman, but as a, as a woman of color. Progress report. I'm connecting the bypass circuit now, sir. It should take another half hour. Speed is essential, Lieutenant. Mr. Spock, I haven't done anything like this in years. If it isn't done just right, I could blow the entire communication system. It's very delicate work, sir. I can think of no one better equipped to handle it, Miss Uhura. Please proceed. You know, I always was watching with my dad because I believe I want to say it was like, you know, it was into syndication by the 
that point. I'm not that old. <laughs> but, um, so I remember her, um, but there was a real deficit in, in, in women on TV that were scientists. And it was just really into the 80s. It's kind of funny. I remember sitting with my mom when she would, or my sister, older sister, is watching television, like daytime TV, once the VCR got rolling um we she would tape you know daytime television and there were more like female medical doctors that was their job you know like general hospital they'd be running around the hospital um i kind of remember that but i just i don't remember a lot in in tv more so um definitely as i got older when i was already in high school and, and college but in books there was the k Car- uh, scarpetta series that would be medical examiner more of a forensic belt that really showed up when i was about in junior high um and and though they weren't scientists i would definitely say when my grandmother got me into reading miss marple uh from agatha christie the miss marple series um her mind the way she figured things out the quantitative reasoning she wasn't a scientist she was a quote spinster aunt um, <laughs> that was her I don't know if that's a job but I need it I mean that would be awesome I like to knit and drink sherry um, but so. but you're right she she is kind of like a I don't know I think you could call her a, a sociologist slash mathematician you know somebody who's really good at solving puzzles issues I mean the things that she put together you know you knew you had seen the same clues you had heard the same information and her ability to connect these, what you thought at one time, disparate ideas and, and little factoids and, and come up with a very good, I mean, people would call it a guess, but when it's based on, you know, her little bits of information and things, um, she would come up with these estimations. And I was just so impressed on how you could learn to do that. Um, and she always had this you know, great background and get and older than that would definitely be uh, J.B. Fletcher, my homegirl from Murder She Wrote. Um, another person. I mean, they say she's model, modeled after Miss Marble, but another person who is was a teacher on the show and became an author, not a scientist, um, but another person, as you mentioned, whose whose mind is just. You know, how do you get to that very science, whatever people think about science, whatever scientific reasoning is, I would put those two as being world class fictional examples. And of course, Sherlock Holmes, that fictional character um, would be in that kind of a realm, too. When, when you look at detectives like those ones you just mentioned, actually, a lot of what they're doing are the skills that scientists use, the same skills of having to sort of look at a big picture and deduce um, and, and, and look at a problem and sort of think of solutions in the same way you're looking for um, how to find solutions to find chemicals. Exactly. And it's, it's, and just putting these things together where I think I even told my students, the advice I gave to my students was you need to be more like Miss Marple in that you're going to hear something at the beginning of semester and you're going to need to find the connection with that concept as we move on like you're putting together pieces of a puzzle. I wonder how it would change science education if instead of calling it, you know, chemistry class, we called it solving mysteries class. <laughs> yes, I, I think I think that would be, yes. I, I sometimes think we need to, as chemists, maybe do a bit of rebranding but or, or uh, just revamp chemistry, but I, I think you're on to something. So now you do a lot of work around pop culture because of your involvement in Geek Girl Con in part. So how do you feel like 
as a 40 year old, you've seen um, the the pop culture representations of female scientists change since you were a kid. Yeah, there's definitely more of them. Um, you're seeing more on television. I would still say that there's a real dominance of when when we say scientists, you know, lady scientists, um, that there are a lot of white ladies. <laughs> and probably the biggest contributor of putting more women scientists on television has been the forensic science shows. So, yeah, I'm kind of conflicted about those forensic science shows because they do include a lot of women in um, scientific roles, and that's exciting. But then the shows are so sort of over the top and like sexy and somebody like dies in every episode. And I think <laughs> and I think it maybe uh, paints an unrealistic portrait of what it's like to be a scientist, whereas a show like The Big Bang Theory, which I hate, I do not like that show at all, but it it alarms me that Big Bang Theory is the most popular show in America right now. But on the plus side, it has women who are scientists and their jobs are like really mundane, normal science jobs. Like they are doing actual, it looks like they're doing actual science. They're in like really realistic environments. Nobody's getting shot. So <laughs> although no, the, I totally yeah. agree, <laughs> I think I think, you know, you get to the to point where you have exposure versus the quality of that exposure. And though the job might seem more realistic, as as you and I could both probably have an entire show, people have written entire blogs about, you know, Big Bang Theory, serious issues with diversity and and the the actual, and and I mean diversity, not just obviously in all areas as far as race, gender, gender roles, um, LGBTQ. um, And so the exposure, the number of characters you see, but then the quality of the show, because you know, there are there are characters that people like, female science characters, or even, quote, the strong woman um, that you see on various shows. But when you dig deeper, like, I love Dana Scully as much as the next person. And she would definitely be one of these medical doctor characters that were very popular. Um, and I watched that show for the entire run it was on, X-Files. But even in watching that, you realize, why is this person putting up with molders? <laughs> and I fill in the blank, right? Like, Yeah, you know, that's what, that's what I think is so, uh, what I actually like about her character a lot is that, like, basically the show is Scully stating some really smart ideas and facts and the men around her telling her that uh, she doesn't know what she's talking about at all. And right. actually, <laughs> well, like, yeah. <laughs> in every show, it's basically like Scully saying, you know, there's some logical explanations for this. Uh, this this can be proven by science. And Mulder's like, aliens. And then, <laughs> but you know what is that? What, what I like about Scully's character is that she stands her ground. She doesn't back down off of that. She says, I know what I'm talking about. And as much as Mulder tries to shut her down, she stands up for herself and for the science. And that the show shows a lot of, um, like the like the 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 non sexy sides of science. You know, while, while Mulder's running around with a gun, shooting at yeah. like shooting at aliens, Scully's always <laughs> back in the lab dissecting somebody. I swear to God, she like dissects a body in every episode. Well, that's because, you know, obviously, if there's a scientific explanation, it'll be buried in the chest cavity. Um, (laughs) No, I totally. And I think that's the fun part is, you know, Scully is saying, 
you know, the, the, the real dope, the straight dope. And, and the men around her are like, and you're like, that's kind of real life sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you have to be able to kind of, and the funny thing is, is, you know, having worked in a crime lab, I'd be the first person to crush anyone's CSI dreams. Um, But there are those moments of, of you, you cannot make this up. Like this is, like, um, but definitely those outweigh. You know that the the issue there with those shows then is is more kind of factual, procedural. And then of course, even then, you have you know what's the depth of the characters? This person have agency, or are they just the hot blonde of the show? You know, like what? Then you kind of can get into to the layers there. And I I think that's why Abby Shudo is so popular. Besides the fact that she's just like this person who can literally do everything um in the laboratory um you know we had to disassemble this car no problem i'll put it back together and tell you what's wrong with it uh, <laughs> is this blood from our pick hope so how long before we get a dna Let's see what abo typing says first you know she's this kind of macgyver-esque type person but also because she has this personal life that seems really interesting and intriguing she doesn't quote look like you think a scientist should look like, you know, even with the Big Bang Theory, sometimes people have talked about, you know, the stereotypical socially awkward male and female characters that, you know, seem very kind of, they, they are the stereotype. And I think with the Abby Shudo characters, you're seeing somebody who has, you know, clearly loves her job and is very good at it, but also clearly loves her personal life and her hobbies and her, she's got this friend you know, she has friendship and a connection and, you know, all of these other, it's a life, you know, you see this life beyond the character, which is really exciting. But I think you can see, you know, you, in every person you see kind of the, you know, just like with Sherlock Holmes, especially the BBC adaptation, people love that show. And, and, and I'm one of them, but man, can we all admit he's a huge, and even he admits huge asshole. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, I think that's the fun part is being able to, to kind of, well, dissect a la Scully. Yeah. These characters in these shows. Well, it's interesting because I mean, yeah, we can laugh off like Dana Scully and other characters having to put up with a lot of pushback from other characters, but that's what a lot of women who are working in the sciences and in STEM fields experience in real life. And there was there was a really big study um, that was done this year on the experiences of, of women in science from the, the Work Life Center for Law, I think the Center for Work Life Law at the University of California. And what they found is that is that in, in with with interviews with women who are working in sciences, women say that they have to prove themselves over and over and over to be as competent as their male colleagues. And that that's a cultural issue in, in that field. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, those, I think that one of the myths that, that comes around with it, sometimes people found that kind of research shocking. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not shocking maybe for women in those fields, right? But it's, it seems shocking to people because I think part of it is this mythology that science is a utopian field where we have ascended beyond these petty human issues of bigotry and strife. And so to hear that all of that stuff, that human stuff is carried into kind of a very, what we assume is a very logical, we should know better kind of workplace, um, that, that for some people that's shocking that that's true. And it's, it's obviously if you're, if you're on the receiving end, it certainly isn't shocking to you. 
Um, I can certainly say that, you know, as a black woman scientist, I would say that, you know, there have been several occasions over the course of my career, um, more than several, I don't even know how to quantify it, where, you know, you have got to on it on the what seems on the daily in some work environments and not others is it's like you have to give you have to have your oral CV at the ready. Um, even though you work there, so you've gone through the process, right? <laughs> you have the letters, the appropriate letters that you need, um, but the constant, you know, or the just dismissing, you literally said the same idea, or the same opinion. And, but now that, you know, a white man has said it, it's magical, you know, and, and that's been talked about quite a bit, this idea that, you know, you're not, you're literally not heard or you're actively ignored. Um so those are, you know, those exist. That's real stuff. And can you speak to that sort of what's what's unique about the culture of sciences in in that world? You were saying that sort of scientists want to see themselves as people who are logical and fact-based and objective. And yet the same issues that pervade other industries in, in, in regard to gender and sexism and racism pervade sciences, too. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, any human endeavor. I think that's the that's the thing is. The idea that scientists are somehow smarter than that um, is just that doesn't recognize that human beings, no matter what their endeavor, carry that baggage. So, Rachelle, in in closing, do you have um, some favorite scientists you would like to tell us about? Well, I have a favorite fictional scientist and a favorite real scientist. Excellent. Um, My favorite fictional scientist would actually be from Eureka, a show that I loved because it was so diverse in its cast and its characters. And I really loved Allison um, because she was a woman. She was a woman of color. She was in a position of power. She had this whole personal life and a professional life, and she was very in command. Um, And so she would be my favorite fictional scientist. I am not familiar Um, with the show Eureka. What's what's Eureka? Oh, I so love it. It's about this town of geniuses, and yet the sheriff is this, you know, regular Joe and, you know, oh, it's such a, you, you have to watch it. Now I have to get you to watch it. Um, Great. I'll have to look up Eureka. So who's your Eureka. favorite real life actual scientist? So my favorite real life scientist, it's, it's a little bit of a sad story, but it would be Alice Ball. Uh, she was an African-American chemist. She was the first um, African-American to graduate with the graduate degree from the University of Hawaii, what we know now is the University of Hawaii. And she really helped advance um, the treatment of leprosy uh, in the early, I'd say, gosh, I want to say it was about 1917, 1916. Her work helped with the treatment of a very old disease and really kind of paved the way in a bit for natural products, pharmaceutical research. Sadly, the same year that she kind of made this big impact, she died. And her work was uh, taken over would be a friendly word, and she her contributions weren't acknowledged publicly until several decades later. Alice Ball. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Rachel. Thank you. When I was a little girl, I wished I was a boy. I tagged along behind the gang and wore me corduroys. Everybody said I only did it to annoy, but I was gonna be an engineer. Mama told me, can't you be a mother of a pearl wait until you're older dear and maybe you'll be glad that you're a girl 
That was chemist and Geek Girl Con DIY Science Zone organizer Rachelle Burks. Follow her on Twitter at Dr. Rabidium. Learn to cool, learn to move. That's what you do to be a lady now.